is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. It's been a while. That is not the voice of the great one. It's your old friend, Danny B. Danny Boombots. Dan Bongino is my real name, of course. At Bongino on Twitter. If you want to tweet me during the show, comments, criticisms, whatevs, I take them all. If you want to call us, 877-381-3811. I don't want to line out like the whole show. Here's what I'm going to do. Sometimes I get into a topic and I don't, you know, I don't cover something and people get upset. But let me give you a general idea where I want to go today because I don't want you to go anywhere. It's going to be a killer show. I want to start off first talking about, I want to sell this to you the right way here. What the anti-Trumpers, the never-Trumpers, the liberal activist media, the liberal themselves and the Democrats are getting entirely wrong about our relationship as a party with Trump. They are reading this thing completely wrong. Mr. Producer, you're going to like this one, I promise. If you don't, if, if if it sucks, you better tell me. But I think you're going to like this one. And I'm not doing this as a favor to the media to get them to understand us. I'm doing this as a a, a kind of a way to explain to the Republican swamp crowd why they're wrong about Trump. It's important. And I want to definitely get to the Cohen stuff today, too. Today was time number, you know, 1,546. We got Trump now. Michael Cohen, his lawyer's cell phone pinged in Prague. Folks, it's a crap story. Don't sweat it. I'm going to knock it down. It's a garbage story. There's a reason no one else is, is, is running with this story. But these two reporters at McClatchy who are obsessed with this Cohen Prague story. So I want to get to that, too. I got some other stuff I may get to. But as I said, sometimes I, as you know, Mr. Producer, Mr. Call Screener, I, I go off on it and I just can't stop. If you want to call in the show, 877-381-3811. And if you are a lib... If you are a liberal who has been immunized to facts and data at an early age and you would like to call and challenge on anything, challenge me, you are welcome to call in too. 877-381-3811. All right. On this Trump situation, I read a, a piece this week. I don't want to get into, you know, it was a National Review piece. The guy's a generally nice guy, but he's got a beef with, with Trump, and that's fine. I'm not, it's not personal for me. Uh, but the gist of the piece was that Trump's, and I'm, I'm, I'm citing the piece, not my opinion, just so we're clear on this, that Trump's poor character is ultimately going to be his downfall. That uh, the, the writer at National Review seemed to believe that um, he, he's, a, he's a compromised character figure, and this can't possibly. Uh, this presidency can't possibly succeed because of it. This is going to be that fatal flaw that is is impossible to overcome. And a lot of folks I respect uh, chimed in on this, and some seem to agree, some push back. And I, I didn't think anything of it when I first read the piece, but as the the days went by, I thought this is really an epidemic out there of people on the right side of the aisle who consistently misread one Trump's character and who he actually is. And why people who, notably conservatives, specifically social conservatives like me and others, why people like us feel a connection with this president, despite the fact that he obviously in the past was not an avowed social conservative and has some you know notable 
you know, questionable, questionable behavior in the past, which he's been honest about in many cases. Why we have this connection with him. It doesn't make sense to them. I'm going to do you a big favor, and I'm going to explain that to you tonight. Because people are really, really misreading this. And Mr. Producer, you are the audience ombudsman for this segment. If this segment doesn't make any sense at the end, you're to get in my ear and say, Dano, rewind the tape. Didn't make sense. I'm relying on you. You are representing millions of Levinites out there. All right? We have no pressure at all, right? We've got a deal, though, right? Pinky promise, okay? All right, he's in. Folks, here's what's going on right now. Conservatives, good Republicans, libertarians, and principled people on the right, even some moderate Democrats who will generally align with us on issues, a lot of them found a cause, I think me included in many cases, in Trump. Despite the fact that you know, like us, Trump's a sinner like everyone else, like me and the, like Mr. Producer, Mr. Call Screen. And we're, listen, we're all sinners. We all have our flaws, right? But the reason we found a, a, a cause and a, and a meaning in the Trump presidency that we haven't found in, in many respects with other Republican presidents in the past who have forfeited away our values when they got into office is that the left has imposed upon us. This is important. A what I'll call like danger zone mentality or battlefield mentality. Folks, we don't worry supporters of the president right now. We're not worried so much about his picadillos and his tweets and, you know, the language that the, the you know, the anti-Trump tra- crowd insists is ah, not presidential. We shouldn't be talking about people like this. We're not worried about that because we've generally subscribed and aligned with and supported and donated to and knocked on doors for Republican presidents in the past who may have spoken a presidential manner and have acted in an, an outwardly moral fashion. I mean, granted, although I was a Secret Service agent, I, I never, you know, I never saw any untoward. Don't take this the wrong way. But we don't know what they're like in their personal lives, even with the Secret Service. You're not around them all the time. But we've supported people like that in the past. George W. Bush, good man. Good man. But we've been sold out. Our door knocking, our donations, we've been sold out in many respects. We got in the first case a nominee, Harriet Myers, for the Supreme Court before we changed paths on that. We've had relentless government spending, which, to be fair, has not stopped now either. That's something we got to curtail. But we've been promised the world by outwardly, at least outwardly appearing morally upstanding people, and we have been sold out. Through years and years of being sold out, the left has imposed upon us a cultural civil war that has spilled over into politics, academia, entertainment, sports, everywhere. And we're now at the point where these these slights and these 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 personal picadillos of Trump and these these tweets that that come off as uh, that some people would say or oh well that's not nice we shouldn't talk like that they don't bother us anymore because this battlefield danger zone mentality has been imposed upon us and what i mean by that is during my past line of work there were when i was a when i was a secret service agent on an advance team and you're you're the lead advance and you're running and advance overseas in a hot zone, whether it was Afghanistan when I was over there with the team or Indonesia, where we had some very significant terror threats at the time against uh, Barack Obama and others. 
there are guys and women on that advanced team who I didn't like. I mean, I, I, I have no problem saying that. I didn't like them for a number of reasons. Not that they were horrible people. We just didn't get along. And I'm sure many of them, likewise, didn't like me either. Uh, not many. I don't want to be dramatic about it. But there were a few that I'm sure we that, that there was a lot of friction in our personal relationship. I can tell you with absolute certainty that did not impact my job over there or theirs at all. Not one bit. Because it, it was the mm, fill in the blank was real. We were on Bagram Air Base and in Kabul and Afghanistan in a war zone. There was no time to worry about, you know, Agent Joey Bag of Donuts' tweets or whatever. I don't even think they had Twitter back then. I don't even know. There was no time to worry that, you know, when he eats his pizza, he, it, the grease dribbles down his chin and it's really gross. Nobody worried about that. That, that, that. That's a danger zone mentality where you start to triage what's important to you. And what's important to you in a danger zone like that, and I would bet a lot of military folks who had battle buddies and who'd been in the fight would say the same thing. All of a sudden, the little things don't matter anymore. Oh, listen, his socks smell at night. Who cares? This guy's going to save your life in the event that hot lead starts coming down your way. You're not worried about his socks. You're not worried about, you know, uh, a relationship he had with his girlfriend three, four years ago. What do you care? It's about staying alive. This danger zone mentality has been imposed upon us. I mean, danger zone morality. Let me be specific. And danger zone morality is not everyday life morality where we have the luxury of worrying about tweets and what he did with a girlfriend a few years ago and did he cheat on her or not. The danger zone morality is different than everyday morality. It's not a forfeiting of principles. Don't mistake that at all. We are not saying those things are right. It is a triaging of principles. There's a difference. Yes, those things are wrong. Wrong things happen because people are generally sinners and make mistakes. But when it comes to danger zone morality, I'm worried about staying alive, and I need that man or woman next to me to be loyal when it matters. The left, through their relentless, never-ending, fierce and ferocious attacks on conservatives for every single slight every utterance on twitter makes you a racist every conversation about immigration makes you a xenophobe opening your mouth about a cake at a wedding and you have the potential to be bankrupted by the state opening your mouth about signing a marriage certificate in kentucky you could find yourself in jail you go to work and God forbid you miss one bad joke. Maybe you, 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 you had a bad day and you said something stupid. It was an off-color joke. Your life is over. You're a, you're a, your Twitter infamy lasts forever. The left has imposed this cultural war, this PC war on us. They have forced us from everyday morality into this danger zone morality where everything is in Manichaean terms. Everything is end of times because the left wants it that way. Not us. We just want to be left alone. Leave my business alone. Leave my kids alone. Leave my health care alone. Leave my kids education alone. And let me go to church without being hounded endlessly as being a phobophobic, istophobic, phobophobe, or whatever you want to call it. But the left can't have that. They have imposed upon us everything being an existential threat for being a conservative. Therefore, we are now in danger zone morality. Where we've triaged what matters to us. And the tweets don't matter. 
the fact that the man in the White House chooses to fight back and not take it anymore has it uh, has developed and harvested this 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 loyalty that you just haven't seen with other presidents. I'm not trying to help the media out here. They'll never understand this because they don't want to. I'm just trying to tell you out there that you're not wrong. If you support this president and you sense the fighter there with all the flaws, I get the I'm not playing down the flaws. I'm not forfeiting the morality. I'm telling you, you've triaged your morality and you're not wrong because you sense the fight we're in and you know it's important. All right, I got to take a break. If you want to give us a call again, 877-381-3811. I'm Dan Bongino, Info Mark Levin. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, Info Mark. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. Hey, before I get back to this... Uh, Danger zone morality on Trump and where the left is getting this all wrong. I've got a lot to get to today. I'd be remiss if I did not uh, mention the absolutely uh, tragic, heartbreaking uh, passing of of a couple of uh, real American patriots. The first being Bree Payton. Uh, She was just 26. Uh, She was a writer and a commentator for The Federalist. She was a gifted writer, a gifted commentator. Many of you may have seen her on, on Fox and other cable news outlets doing just terrific commentary on the issues of the day. She was only 26 years old. She was guest hosting a show uh, last night. And this morning I saw on Twitter as I logged on that she had fallen ill with apparently, according to the reports, a case of bacterial meningitis and H1N1, uh, the, the influenza. And... Uh, uh, unbelievably, and I say unbelievably because I, I still can't get my arms around it. I did not know Brie well, but I did know her. Um, you know, it's a small circle of people who do commentary on cable news. Uh, she passed. So I want to send my heartfelt condolences. I don't really have the words. I don't know what to say to those close to her and her family. But uh, she was wonderful. She really was. She was wonderful. And it was a really devastating thing to wake up to today and hear about Um, Godspeed. I just um, I don't know what to say. And also to Ronil Singh, the police officer in California, a legal immigrant to this country who was shot and killed by this uh, this 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 uh, alleged gunman, this uh, this savage who uh, who who was here illegally in the country. Singh was everything, everything that is right about our immigration system. A patriot, a God-fearing man who came to this country with his entrepreneurial spirit, applied his, 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 his mind, his heart, and his body towards making something of himself, serving the public as a police officer, choosing that line of work. He was killed. And I'll tell you something I, I can't get out of my head. I I saw the pictures of him Christmas Day with his beautiful family, his his, his wife. And I, I, I don't, you know, I, being a former cop myself with the NYPD, it's, it always hits especially hard, these stories. But what I absolutely can't get out of my head is he, he had a, a police canine that worked with him. And this is an unspeakable loss for his family. Did you see his brother? I don't know if any of you caught it. His brother uh, during a press conference who just 
broke down in tears thanking the police and everyone for their support. And it was just heartbreaking. It just rips the heart out of you. This is everything that's right about our country. A, a hero, a patriot who comes here legally, applies his talents, his hard work to, to making this country a better place, taken from us by someone who basically flips off two middle fingers to the process and says, I'm not listening to any of that crap. I'm going to do what I want. But I can't get out of my head that, you know, he had this police canine and, you know, you just can't explain that. I'm a, I'm a dog lover like Mark. I'm allergic, so I, I, don't, I can't have him myself full time. I almost like adopt my mother-in-law's dogs once in a while. But they'll never understand like the animal that love between a dog and his handler, you know, I, I, not in any way to minimize the unspeakable tragedy, but they'll never understand. I can't get that out of my head for some reason. I mentioned it before on, uh, on another show I do. I, I cannot get that out of my head that we lost the, this American hero and his family and, and, and this, this loyal, uh, 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 I don't even know what to say. Sorry, guys, I don't mean to be a downer, but uh, I had to recognize uh, those two. They, are really, uh, they were real American heroes, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it during the show. All right, listen, on the other side of the break, when we come back, I will get back to this. I want to start talking about this and dig in more to this battlefield morality so people understand. And I want to address two specific things. I want to address these accusations that are Trump somehow a bad guy because, quote, he wants to be loved. And secondly, the accusation that his character is so flawed that it is a fatal flaw to his presidency that can't possibly continue in a successful manner. I want to dispute those both strongly. I'm Dan Bongino. In for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add, but this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve, and subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Conservative and proud of it. Call the Mark Levin Show at 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter. In for Mark, if you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. If you want to send me tweets, go right ahead. Comments, criticisms, whatever, we take them all. So uh, before the break, I was talking about this danger zone morality that the left has imposed upon us as an explanation for why... The American people who are principled Republicans, conservatives, some libertarians, some even moderate Democrats have aligned themselves and found a cause in the Trump presidency. This danger zone morality has been imposed upon us by the left. They've made everything this life or death fight. Everything. You speak out against the Obama administration. Your business was going to be targeted. Oh, come on. That didn't happen. Really? You remember what happened to for profit colleges? (laughs) Obama just didn't like them. So the Obama administration targeted them and effectively bankrupted a lot of them. I know my sister-in-law worked at one of them. 
Found herself out of a job almost overnight. Obama just wanted to mess with your health care. So one day you woke up, you got a bill in the mail. <coughs> Excuse me. You got a bill in the mail and you found out your premiums were, you know, were doubled in some cases. What happened? Well, Obama, you know, uh, just got the bug and he wanted to mess with the health care system. Everything for you is life or death. Obama wanted more of your money. What are you going to do? Tell him no. There was a tax hike under the Obama administration. We, we, we demand more of your money. The IRS, you can't say no. You know, Louisiana instituted a school choice program. The, the, the Obama administration didn't like it. So what they do, they went after Louisiana. God forbid you get to pick where your kids go to school. You believe in a, a Christian definition of marriage and you own a florist or a bakery. Forget it. You're to be. Uh, it's, it's, it wasn't good enough for the left to win. They had to attack you bankrupt you, humiliate you. So you wonder why people have found a cause in a president who, again, is a sinner like everybody else, like all of us. No one denies that. But uh, who insists on fighting back? You, you're, 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 you're surprised? You're surprised that we found some kind of cause in this? Why? You know, when you're in the danger zone and everything is this life or death struggle, this seemingly end of times morality you've imposed on us, that now it's not good enough to fight conservatives. You have to humiliate them. You have to call them the worst things possible. Think about it. What are the worst things you could possibly be called? What? Think about it. Right? Dig that through your melon for a second. Racist, right? Is there anything worse? That you're so dumb you judge people by the melanin content of their skin? You're a xenophobe. You're afraid of people from outside the United States. Oh, my gosh. You're... None of this is true, of course, but the left has to think of the word. It's not, ah, he's just not a nice guy. I don't like him, his ideology. You know, he may be a little greedy with the whole tax cut thing. That's not what they say. Well, they say that too. They say, you're stealing from the poor. You don't like people who are black or Hispanic. You don't like people from outside the United States. The worst things possible. Everything to them is an end of times fight. And they're confused as to why we would find some kind of meaning in a Trump presidency where he refuses to take it. He just doesn't take it. You know, the anti-Trump crowd, you understand they mock you, right, for saying he fights. They mock you. It actually became a, a joke amongst the Looney Tunes in, uh, in, the, in the Never Trump crowd. Some of them. Some of them have come around and been really, you know, are, are decent people. But some of them who are resolute to this day Made a joke out of that. They don't understand. It. That's real. He does not take it. Now, to get to the, the, what, the original article I was referring to in National Review about how his character, Trump's character, is some kind of a fatal flaw. The things they cite, uh, listen, uh, you're, you're free to criticize his Twitter behavior. I, I, I you know, the, the decision on how to fire Mattis. There are some people I know who support the president who are pretty loyal to General Mattis who had some beefs with that. I get it. And I respect Jim Mattis immensely. I do. But Donald Trump was elected president. James Mattis wasn't. I have immense respect for Mattis' unbelievable... I, I Listen, I'm not half the man he is, Mattis. I'm not. Not a quarter of the man he is. I acknowledge that. And I respect the way he left. I would have handled the note differently, but he said, listen, I don't align with your values. I'm I'm leaving. But Jim Mattis was not elected president. Donald Trump was. 
And James Mattis is free to run for president against him in 2020 if he chooses such. But Donald Trump is a commander in chief. We have a civilian led military, a civilian at the top. The commander in chief is the president of the United States voted on by the people. This was our choice. And we're sticking to it. Now, I only bring up Mattis not to pile on there, but because this, I believe, was the impetus for a lot of these articles out there and this, um, you know, anti-Trump animus that, oh, his character. In other words, the way he got rid of Mattis was so bad it speaks to this poor character. I want to ask you a serious question. What is your definition of character when it comes to politics? I'm being serious. I'm not trying to be a jerk or be silly about it or flippant. What is your definition of what character is? Let me take this out of, I discussed this the other day a little bit, but many of you in this audience haven't heard it. Let me take it out of the political arena for a second, the definition of character that is, because it gets confusing in the political arena. I understand that because you've been lied to so many times that when you get a truth teller or something even resembling a truth teller, even on policy, everybody gets confused. Pull it out of the politics, uh, the political arena for a moment. And let's ask the character question about something different but relatable to all of us. How do you measure character in, say, the medical profession? Character that matters to you. Again, I'm not asking you to forfeit your principles. We understand that things like infidelity and other stuff are not appropriate. We get it. But given that the left has imposed upon us danger zone morality, where we need a warrior to fight back for us right now, and a lot of those things in our triaging of things we care about are at the bottom of, 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 of that scale right now. What we care about now is keeping our businesses afloat, the economy going, and the country around for the next generation of our kids. So we've been, we've, we, we're like, oh, we're, we're not really worried about tweets or anything like that. Personally, I don't even mind his Twitter account. But what's your definition of character in, say, the medical field, right? Let me put, let me put it, you in a situation, right? Many of you have kids out there. God forbid one of your kids had some kind of very dangerous, say, almost, it's going to soon to be fatal illness. And there's one or two doctors in the world that know how to treat this or, or do this very specialized surgery, Right. You meet this doctor. You finally get an appointment. You can save your kid's life. Remember, this is danger zone morality here. This is a literal life or death situation for many people. You meet this doctor. And he's not a nice guy. He's not. Comes in the room. He's grumpy. Disheveled a little bit. Very short with his answers. Rushes you out of the room. But after five minutes with him, he says to you, after he's thoroughly upset you, he says, but you know what? I can save your son's life. You go to another doctor who's not as skilled, not as talented. He's the nicest guy in the world. Walks in, sharp suit, doesn't have the pirate shirt on, nice tie and everything. Good looking, smart, right? Nice office. He spends a half an hour with you. You think he's great. It's the greatest doctor ever. But as he leaves the room, he says, I don't think I can save your son. I got it best, the 50-50 shot. Let me ask you a question. Which doctor are you going to go with, the former or the latter? Folks, I think the answer is obvious. I think the answer is, of course, you're going to go with the first guy. Because danger zone morality has been imposed on you. By, by, By no request of your own. Tragically been imposed upon you. The left has imposed a danger zone morality on us, too. 
These are not fights anymore about conflicting ideologies. These are fights for your business, fights for your money, fights for your freedom, fights for your kids' education, fights for your future if you've ever been boycotted by the left. Fights against a PC culture that for the slightest slip can destroy your whole life, your income, your family's income, your kid's future. One bad tweet and it's over. Now, granted, not as grave a danger zone morality as a situation where your child has some fatal illness that only one doctor can cure. But folks, not much different when it comes to your livelihood. Of course you want the first guy. Yeah, he's a little gruff. Yeah, he's a little rough around the edges. But he comes in the room and he walks out and confidently says, I can save him. Folks, when you look at things, the appointment of federal judges on the bench, think about it. There are, uh, what, 865 federal judges on the bench, Supreme Court, Appellate Court, and District Court. I read a piece in the Washington Examiner today which describes these numbers. When President Trump will have left office, if he can push through appointments for the remaining vacancies, do you realize President Trump will have appointed one quarter of the entire federal bench? A judicial system used by the left to attack us over and over and over again. Yes, it's how Mark wrote a whole book on it. How liberal judges have legislated from the bench, legislated away our rights in favor of a big government vision. You want doctor number one who gets it done. The guy who appoints solid constitutional judges. The guy who actually cuts your taxes, not the guy who talks about it. The guy who actually deregulates the government starts throwing out these nonsensical red tape mounds we find on our desk imposed by government bureaucrats. The guy who gets rid of key crappy portions of Obamacare like fines for us not buying their garbage insurance. You want the guy that gets it done. Granted, has everything been peaches and cream? No, it hasn't. It hasn't. The government spending is still entirely out of control. That's the fight we're in now with the shutdown. But do you want a guy who shuts it down on a principle here to secure our border? Or do you want the talker? You want the focus group tested Republican talker with the, with the, with the nice tie and, and, and the crisp collars who, who, who puts a shine on you all the time? Is that what you want? Of course you don't. But the left and, and, and the never Trump and anti Trump and the nitpicking Trump crowd, I, listen, I get, I'm not, I'm not telling anybody should stop writing about it. Do your thing. But I don't think they understand that this is not a standard run of the mill political moment we're in. It is danger zone morality. It is not everyday back and forth politics anymore. And the left has chosen that for us. It is not our choice. We don't want to have to be. Gosh, if I mention I'm a a Christian on Twitter, am I going to be called all these names and, and humiliated? I mean, there was a story last week. I heard that people who had made some donation for the wall that, um, that there was, uh, that people were going after these people on Twitter and, and, and doxing them. Like, it's not good enough that, you know, whether that's going to be used for walls, obviously questionable, but that's not the point. The point is that the left, whether you believed it, if you donated, it wasn't good. They wanted to make sure you were humiliated. This is not standard everyday morality anymore. The left has chosen a different political environment. 
And we have a guy in there now who insists on taking the fight right back to them. I, I, I want to hit this again. I got to take a break. I want to just sum up this, this segment here and hit this character thing again on the other side of the break. And one other component of this where I think they miss out. But remember this. Back, back into politics. Does character, air quotes in politics, matter more to you if it's a guy who walks into office and generally keeps his promises and, you know, listen, has his, has, has his flaws like everyone else or is character more important about a guy who lives a morally upstanding life, outwardly, inwardly, whatever, but gets into office after you voted him in and supported him and then screws you over? Is that character? I would say a big, strong no. All right, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. Give us a call, 877-381-3811. It's 877-381-3811. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for Mark. You want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. Let me take a call. You know I always leave a line open for liberal callers. I love to hear what they have to say. It's typically uh, I kill a few neurons every time. But what the heck? Let's go to David in Brooklyn. David, what do you got for us, buddy? David, hello. Hello, David. Is he there or did he give up already? Oh, David, you blew it. That was your opportunity. Yeah, that was his opportunity. That was his shot at the title. All right, well, let's go with another caller here. Let's go to, let me see, Mike or Scott. Mike or Scott. Remember Mike Scott, the pitcher for the Astros? That guy was phenomenal in his heyday. 1986, never seen anything like it. Let's go with Mike in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mike, what do you got for us, buddy? Mike. To you, sir. I was just telling your call screener. That, uh, that was a perfect analogy. I think it really encapsulated what the choice is. And I think that we have to kind of put aside, I think a lot of it comes from just the constant negativity from the press that we always hear every bad thing or every single thing that he does is, is twisted in a bad light. I think right. I mean, Mike, phenomenal. right? Think about the trip with the troops, right? How, do you, how can you possibly, as a straight-thinking, rational, common-sense person in the media, Find a way to bash a commander-in-chief for visiting the troops in a conflict zone. But they did. They found it. I mean, it, it, it doesn't it just solidify your support? Uh, no question about that. I cannot, that, again, you, you, you say, you speak my thoughts on a, on a constant basis, and that's, that's the thing. You. I want to encourage it. You know, you're fighting the good fight, brother. Um, I, love, I love listening to you. I love watching you on TV. I, I DVR, Tucker. Kennedy oh. and, and Laura Ingram every single Thanks, night. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm great. I'm honored. You know, you're putting your time out there, man. But keep up the good fight, man. I'm, I'm watching you, and I'm a Trump supporter. Go Trump. I love you. Keep Thanks, up the good Mike. work, man. Thanks a lot, buddy. I appreciate that. It's very humbling, folks. I, you know, I, I was a working class dude like uh, most of you out there, and just found myself when I ran for office, kind of thrust into this. Uh, you know, the, this, this spotlight because I had left it that my former job and it became a story quickly. And I'm always honored to you. Thank you very much. It means a lot. I'm, I'm kind of short on words. I don't even know how to thank people who say such nice things, but that is it. That is it. The, 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 this is just 
this media, constant media barrage of attacks on him, too, and attacks on his character and everything else, they, they actually help us. They help us because they expose the media for the liberal activists they are on the first front, right? They expose them, and, and they highlight also the small, but there's still a significant swath of people out there who insist on doing journalism. It's small, but there are people out there doing it. So when you see them attacking Trump for going overseas and visiting the troops, it exposes them for the activists they are. And people dismiss them, uh, dismiss them, and it also solidifies the base in their support for the president, who they think is doing the right thing, and insists on fighting back. All right, on the other side of the break, I still haven't got, I wanted to sum this up because I got to hit this character thing again. And this other part about this knock on him, which is bizarre, the president, that is, that, oh, he wants to be loved, and this is somehow... A bad thing. I, I don't get it. I, I mean, have they ever read Adam Smith? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I'm Dan Bongino. We're from Mark Levin. We'll be here. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods But what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for Mark. Give us a call, 877-381-3811. If you want to join the show, I was glad we had that little break there because I had to get up and close the door to my studio. The door was cracked open, and I have a very entrepreneurial six-year-old who, Mr. Producer, would pop in here at a moment's notice like that kid in the BBC. Remember the BBC interview? The kid comes strolling in behind the dad with the glasses on, the greatest interview ever. You know what I'm talking about, right? Well, granted, we don't have video here, but we may have had an incident with my six-year-old. She usually knows better, but the door was cracked, so I got up, had a little pizza during the break. Yeah, it's Friday night, cheating a little bit on the old diet, but I was hungry, starving actually. So went out, ate a slice, closed the door, so we won't have any visits from uh, my youngest, Amelia. Imagine that she pops in, Daddy, what are you doing? (laughs) Don't worry, kid, you're only talking to a couple million listeners, no big deal. All right, getting back to this Trump story, uh, and and I want to move on to some other stuff, including this uh, ridiculous new uh, fake dud bombshell about Michael Cohen. The story about Trump, I I told you, I read National Review about how his character is some kind of a fatal flaw. On the character front, what does character mean to you in a politician? Seriously, what does it mean? 
Do you want a guy who sticks to his promises? Like generally, we've had a pretty, generally speaking, we've had a pretty decent record in the political arena of Trump saying something and sticking to it. He wanted to cut taxes. He cut taxes. Wanted to get rid of Obamacare. He got rid of portions of it. He needed some help on the Senate front. Of course, he was abandoned at the last minute. The Senate couldn't get rid of it. Said he was committed to deregulation. Did it. Said he was committed to federal judges. Gave us a list of federal judges. Stuck to the list and did it. Hey, we haven't met every metric for success. We still don't have a fully constructed wall. But again, he can't do it himself. What does character mean to you? Now, one of the other criticisms I've heard, and this is an interesting one, because I, 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 I hear it amongst people who've been embedded in the media bubbles for a long time, and I think they're really losing touch with how the real world really works. When I say the real world, I mean the world outside of you know the Amtrak corridor and the bubble in Washington, D.C. and New York. I hear, well, you know, he wants to be loved and he's entirely transactional, meaning... He'll hire you if he thinks you can help him. And the minute he thinks uh, that the president thinks that you're of no use to him, he'll get rid of you and he's not loyal. Now, folks, let me be clear on this. I have not heard this from anybody who knows Trump outside of politics. Again, I am not suggesting he's going to be beatified as a saint. We're all broken souls, folks. Okay, we're all sinners. I'm suggesting to you that. Listen, I have no reason to tell you this. Okay. I'm not paid by the Trump organization. I do my own thing. I've got my own little stuff I do out there. I don't need anybody. Well, I don't need anybody in the political space. Thankfully, I get to say what I want to say when I want to say it. I have not heard that about Trump at all. I've heard the exact opposite, as a matter of fact. I tell this, I call it the airplane story. I tell this story often. Because I'm not, I don't want to be hyperbolic and, you know, make it overly dramatic or everything. But it was an interesting story I heard from my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law used to work at an airport in New York where Trump, uh, Trump Airlines had one of their planes. And one of the stories had gotten around the airport that when Trump used to go and inspect some of the planes himself or get on some of the planes, that if he ran into the staff that was cleaning the plane, that he would leave them $100 tips. I don't want to over-exaggerate the story again. I don't want to, you know, oversell it. I tell you this one little story because he obviously wasn't doing it for the press. The story had only made its way around the airport. Nobody was calling the New York Post to tell anyone the story. They may have. I don't even know. But stories like that are all over the place about him. Does that sound like a guy of such poor character as the anti-Trump crowd wants you to believe that he can't even complete his presidency? It's not just one, folks. I don't want to listen to the show. I only got a couple more hours with you. I could tell you a few stories I've heard like that. Donations that were made to families in the organization that had a very sick person or someone who had died. I'm not talking about small donations. I'm talking about big checks written out of his personal account. Does this sound like a guy of such fatally flawed character that we shouldn't even allow him to finish out his term, despite the fact that the promises he's made, he has a generally good record of at least fighting to advance instead of abandoning them like a lot of Republicans in the past? And he's transactional. Transactional, meaning, you know, he has no use for you. He throws you to the side. You're good for a transaction, not good for the next. Uh, Folks, I have not seen that at all from personal experience. Listen, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I met him one time at Mar-a-Lago. 
And he was very nice. It was an honor to meet him. He was, I, I, it was a very unique situation for me, given my prior line of work, having worked for presidents in a security role. To meet a president and have a conversation outside of that role was an important moment for me. He was an absolute gentleman. And he was very complimentary to me. I mean, I'm not, the, you know, what, what do I, I have nothing to offer him. But what I found interesting is some of the people in his circle are still very, very nice and decent to me, despite the fact that I've had some disagreements. That's the very opposite of a guy who's entirely transactional. In other words, I, I, I have was pretty vocal about some of my disagreements about signing that spending bill a while ago. I thought it was a really bad idea. So if he's transactional, how come he didn't throw me to the curb? I haven't had got any of that, none of that. Not that I deal with these people on an everyday basis, but I've never heard, oh, listen, you know, the president thinks you're the worst now. Nothing like that at all. Matter of fact, he was nice enough to tweet out my book <laughs> after that stuff. How is that the measure of a transactional guy? There are other people, too. I used an example of a couple lawyers. I'm not going to say their name on the show, but people you know do Fox News commentary who some days they go on cable news and they'll say, listen, the president's right on this. Other days they'll go on Fox News and say, hey, the president's not only wrong, but really wrong on this. I know for a fact that he still treats those people with decency. He cites them sometimes on his Twitter account. How is that transactional? Transactional, and when I say, I'm, I'm using their definition of it, not because you may say, well, that's the definition of transactional. Useful here, not useful there. No, no, that's not what they're saying. The anti-Trump crowd is insisting that once he, you, once he, you, you burn him one time, you're done forever. Once you say anything, because he needs to be loved. He needs to be, he doesn't need to be loved. He needs to get crap done, man. And getting stuff done in the DC morass and the swamp, requires you to understand how relationships and politics can be useful at times and others. That's not what the piece said. The gist of the piece was that the minute you say anything bad, he's so thin-skinned that he's done with you forever and you have no chance of getting back into whatever his good graces. That's just not true. That's just made up. Now, granted, he's probably a good reader of character in others, Giving his business, given his business environment in the past, and probably does sense when people are genuine sellouts and throws them to the curb. But that's not being transactional, that's being smart. Ladies and gentlemen, he was a builder from New York. I grew up in New York. I was a cop in New York. It is a tough city, folks. It's not Mogadishu, but it's tough. It is tough to do business in New York. My father was a building inspector, a building inspector just outside the city. He can tell you everything about the building process. You have to deal with unions. Back in the 80s, you had to deal with mobsters. Even in the early 90s, before the Giuliani administration cleaned up a lot of that. You have to deal with New York City bureaucrats, tax collectors. Everybody's got their hands in your pockets. This guy conducted business, in, at least in the United States, in what I perceive to be the most difficult business environment within the, within the United States. Of course he had to learn how to get stuff done despite people reaching in his pocket all the time. And to do that required him to be able to quickly put his finger on the pulse of people and determine if they were going to be loyal, not loyal, useful in a situation or not. It doesn't mean he was going to scrap them at the first slight. That doesn't even make sense. People he appointed as some of his closest advisors didn't even endorse him. 
Nikki Haley, others. I, I love Nikki Haley. I think she's been great and was great in her prior life as the ambassador to the UN. Nikki Haley didn't endorse Trump. And yet, you know, she, she had his, 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 his full blown support. I'm just knocking this down that, oh, he needs to be loved. He, she endorsed someone else. President Trump was her biggest advocate. That doesn't make sense. What you're just saying is factually incorrect. You're just making it up. A number of people in his cabinet. Matter of fact, ironically, the one guy in his cabinet, the attorney general, excuse me, the one appointee, the attorney general, Jeff Sessions at the time, who did endorse him, Trump saw things going on there he didn't like and the relationship broke down quickly. Your argument's nonsense. The guy is clearly trying to get things done in an environment where not getting things done is celebrated. He wants to be loved. What does that even mean? Everybody wants to be loved. Wants to be loved. He wants to get stuff done. You don't build a building in New York and hope you're loved by the mob or the or the unions that are, that are on your job site, you know, questioning everything. The bureaucrats, you know, taking your money and, and, and dipping into your pockets for a tax hike every 10 minutes. Who loved? You got to get stuff done, man. He's not loyal. I've never heard that ever. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a shame, folks, because it feeds into this. Listen, there's nothing more American than criticizing the president. But when people on our own side just endlessly pile up, it just adds to this, 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 this gaslighting narrative by the media that the country's in chaos, everything's in chaos. It's not in chaos. It's not in chaos. The economy is doing fine for now. Yes, we have a debt problem, no doubt. We finally got some money back in people's pockets. We had a wonderful holiday season. The country's not in chaos. You're full of crap. We're starting to finally pull back from conflict zones, get our troops back home. Chaos? What are you talking about? All right, that's enough on this topic. But it just fires me. You know, maybe on the other side of break, I'll take some calls on. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. I'm Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, in for Mark. I promised I would take a call. So <laughs> this is great. I'm not, I'm not, it's just, it's just interesting. Let's take um, Gary from Gary, Indiana. Gary, I'm sure you get that. That's not, is this new? You get that a lot? Gary from Gary, Indiana. That's pretty cool. I, I think it reminds me of, what is it? The Music Man, that show? Gary, Indiana, Gary. Right, My right. daughter sang in that. She was pretty good. So what do you got for us, Gary from Gary, well, Indiana? I was driving home and I heard your last little segment. And first of all, I want to say thank you for going through the crap you had to go through so we can talk about the idiot stuff that we care about or don't care about. But I was just telling your the caller or got to answer the phone. You know, I live in Indiana. Pence was a great governor. And the only thing I wanted to say was I'm kind of getting tired of defending the indefensible. And I, I love the policies and I love the party, but I just get tired of the person. I don't know what more we can do. But what, when you say indefensible, what, what, do you, what do you mean? Like, what are you referring to? I guess the personality, and I'm not, you know, we, we all have personalities we don't like, and I understand that. 
what I'm, I'm just saying is, I don't know what, 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 what can we do to defend a guy that's indefensible. And I just, I get tired. Well, I, I, I mean, I guess I disagree that it's indefensible because I don't, I don't know specifically what you're referring to, but okay. well, I'm not bothered much at all. I, I mean, I, what specifically you're referring to that's indefensible? I mean, the, the, you don't like his Twitter or something like that? I don't get it. So what you're saying is, I, I'm married 38 years. Uh, yeah. My parents are married 90, 92 and 91 years old. They're married for 65 years, never divorced. I mean, stuff like that, okay? I mean, I just don't like the personality of somebody that has those kind of traits. Now, I voted, and I don't care. I just said, I'm going to stand for my party, and I'm going to stand for the policies. I just get tired when you say we have to defend, we have to defend, defend against what? Another Democrat? I don't care about them. I care about my party. I don't want to lose everything we've worked for for the last 10 years, 8 years. Well, Gary, but we didn't. We won one of the largest electoral college wins we've had in a very long time. You know, with President Trump. I mean, do you think maybe other... I guess what I'm saying is I'm not trying to insult you. I respect your opinion, and God bless you for being uh, married. You sound like a good man for as long as you have. But don't you find it a little bit odd that traditional Republicans running in the primary had a tough time attracting the level of support Trump did? And he won states, the Republican Party, like Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, uh, Wisconsin. The Republican Party hasn't even sniffed a win in, 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 in some cases, decades. Great two years ago. But I'm worried about two years from now. Yeah. Well, That's what I'm worried about. Uh, well, all I'm saying I, is I'm not, I don't yeah. want to start a big old ruckus, but all I'm saying is, Pence was a great governor of the state of Indiana. I don't care what anybody says. He did a great job here. Yeah, well, I appreciate the call, Gary. I, you know, I open up the phone lines to uh, alternate opinions because I, you know, I don't want to. This is not a dictatorial monarchy on the show, so I appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in. I just, uh, folks, I, I just see it differently. I, I, when I look for a politician, someone in the in the in the seat of the presidency, when I look for characteristics in there. Character, characteristics. I want someone who is going to do what they told me they were going to do when I donated my money, when I donated my time, uh, when I donated my, my, my voice and everything else to get that person in office. I want to be sure they're going to do what they say they are going to do. I, I'm not bothered by the, I'm just not, and it's fine. Again, I'm not trying to tell you what to think. You're all clear-thinking, rational people. You're Mark Levin's audience. Get the best audience in the world. You are obviously free to have a hierarchy of needs, and how you place those needs in politics are up to you. You may put at the top, I care most about a politician's former girlfriends, um, his behavior with his wife, and promises and everything else, second or third. That's fine. That's That's your choice. I get it. I'm just saying we're in a different time. I don't I don't know what you're missing on that front, that the left has imposed upon us right now a different kind of danger zone morality, where I think a lot of the stuff we should care about, no question, but we need to care about a little less in relationship to caring about saving the republic at this point. I mean, we're in a world of trouble, folks. The left is not going to stop. They are not going to stop. That's why I said that we have to institute the new rules. We win, you lose. Because this idea that there was going to be some, you know, grand rapprochement with them and we were going to have a sit down and roast s'mores together is over. The left is not interested. They are not interested in smoking the peace pipe with you. They are interested only in destroying conservatives. That is it. All right, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. Give us a call if you want to join the show, 877-381-3811. We'll be right back.
Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, the champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now, 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for Mark. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. So let's get to this Cohen nonsense. It's Michael Cohen's story. Another media air quotes here. Bombshell, another big uh, dud. Bombshell has no actual explosive in it. It's so stupid. This story, how many times, how many times, libs and media people, are you going to get played by this Michael Cohen Prague story? It's like, you know know when... After a while, like kids will figure it out. You know that the magic show. Every every parent's got the magician for their kids, like third or fourth birthday, and some of them are good, but some you know maybe not so good. And they, you know, they have the the, the trick with the rings where they separate the rings. You know, there's a hole in one of the rings, and that's how they get them in and out and all that stuff. And they hide it really well most of the time. But that trick doesn't work on 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 kids above like eight or nine years old because they figure it out. The media hasn't figured out this Cohen Prague trick yet. They keep getting played by this Michael Cohen story. Here's the gist of it. Here's what happened. Let me explain to you what happened, why it matters, why it's crap, and what I think is really going on here. The story broken by McClatchy yesterday, these same two reporters who are obsessed with this Cohen Prague story, they wrote a similar theme story back in April of this year, too, that there's evidence that Michael Cohen was in Prague. There, there is no evidence Cohen was in Prague, but these two writers at McClatchy keep saying it. Why does this matter? Some history. Michael Cohen is uh, President Trump's former personal attorney. He's very close, was very close with Donald Trump. They obviously are not anymore. Cohen is now cooperating with Bob Mueller in the special counsel witch hunt against Donald Trump and has pled guilty to various crimes like taxicab confessions and things like that. Things process crimes entirely unrelated to collusion. The reason this story matters is you have to, I'm trying to try to, Mr. Producer, you could be the ombudsman on this. If I don't explain this well, please stop me, right? The entire collusion case against Trump, which is a made-up case, it's a fabricated case, is based on this fictitious collusion. The fictitious collusion is described in this document we now call the dossier, which was paid for by the Clinton team. The dossier was used by our weaponized, at the time, intelligence agencies and people in the upper levels of the FBI to spy on a presidential candidate. It was... The core, the basis of their entire case against Trump. This dossier. The dossier is a hoax. It's a discredited, debunked piece of garbage. 
a key tenet of the dossier. So just to be clear, we're talking about the case against Trump used to spy on Trump was bedrocked in the dossier. A key bedrock component of the dossier was the fact that Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, had gone to Prague to coordinate with this upper level former Russian Senate official. And, and some folks that were going to pay off Europeans. And Cohen was the key central figure coordinating this Russian hacking scandal and all this other junk. Are we, are we tracking? The dossier was critical to the spying scandal. The Cohen allegation that he was in Prague is central to the dossier. Without Cohen being in Prague, the entire dossier falls apart. The entire dossier is crap anyway. But it's the one thing the media keeps hanging their hat on. There's got to be evidence Cohen was in Prague. Do you understand why they need this to happen? I keep saying it's like <laughs> I, the movie Mean Girls always cracks me up. It's like Gretchen trying to make Fetch happen. Fetch isn't going to happen. Either is Cohen and Prague. So the story that broke uh, yesterday was that these two reporters who, again, reported a similar type thing without the detail and back in April, is that Michael Cohen's cell phone allegedly pinged in Prague, which indicates he may have been there when the dossier said he was there. Oh, my gosh. Folks, did you get suckered by this, too? I was a former investigator. I do facts, okay? And if, 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 if this turns out to be true in the future, I will absolutely, 100%, recant the story and say you were right. I, I'm just basing this on the evidence. What evidence do I have? Because we're all rational people that Michael Cohen wasn't in Prague and this is a hoax. Well, let's go through it. Number one, we have an under oath denial in testimony by Michael Cohen in front of the U.S. Senate strongly disputing the fact that he has ever been to Prague or the Czech Republic. Ever. Now, you may say, fairly enough, Cohen's now a... uh, He's pled guilty to lying. This guy's a liar. Why should we trust anything? He said, of course he's going to lie about being in Prague. Well, why is his attorney and now PR guy, Lanny Davis, a Clintonite, a Clintonista, Lanny Davis, a close friend and confidant out of the Clintons, out on every cable news channel that will have him, saying Michael Cohen has never been to Prague. Cohen is cooperating with Mueller. What incentive... Folks, what incentive does a cooperator who has the Rosetta Stone of information, right? This Cohen Prague trip. Cohen knows if he's been to Prague. He's Cohen. What incentive does Cohen have to not be honest about it at this point? This is his get out of jail free card. What incentive does a Clintonite like Lanny Davis have to go on TV and insist that a key component of the dossier against Trump is not true? What incentive? Does this make any sense to you? Oh, he's trying to protect Trump. He's not trying to protect Trump. He's working with Mueller. He just denied it again yesterday on Twitter, Cohen. Another part of this. Bob Mueller has already charged him with false statements for statements he made in that under oath session, speaking up on the Hill. Statements he had made about his involvement in this Trump Tower Moscow deal alleging, uh, making statements that he had been out of the deal at a certain point when he hadn't been. If Mueller is intent on charging Cohen with false statements, why would he not charge Cohen with a false statement 
If he already swore under oath he hadn't been to Prague, if Mueller had any information that he was in Prague. Why would he not? What is he being nice to him? Bob Mueller all of a sudden is, is going to be beatified as a saint. He has shown no inclination to give any of these Trump players a pass at all. Does this make any sense to you? Another key component that should make you eye roll at this story. Folks, Cohen is working with Mueller. Mueller clearly at this point has Cohen's cell phone records. If Michael Cohen was in Prague, why would Mueller himself and his team, why would his team, when the April story came out, alleging there was evidence Cohen was in Prague, Mueller's team who has said nothing this whole time, why would they put out a statement saying, hey, be careful with some of these stories? If he had evidence Cohen was in Prague, why would Mueller allow Cohen to go back on Twitter yesterday and deny he was in Prague? Does this make any sense? Of course it doesn't make sense. Folks, Michael Cohen, do you understand how the federal system works? When you arrest someone in the federal system that wants to work off off a charge or work off points on their sentence, right? The way it works is you usually bring them in for a proffer session. You bring in the bad guy with their lawyer. You tell them, here's the deal. What we say in this proffer session won't be used against you. But if you lie at any point, then we're going to hose you with it. Big time. In that case, the guy's lawyer is your best friend because he's telling his client, hey, man, listen, you better tell the truth in here. It's called a proffer session. You call it a king for a day deal, queen for a day deal, whoever's in there, because they can tell you everything and they don't have any worry of prosecution about it, typically, unless they lie to you. If that's good, sometimes they'll agree to wire up, record some conversations. Sometimes they'll agree to go back inside the organization as an informant. And at the end, when their sentencing comes around, the Department of Justice, they have this 5K letter, it's called. I think it's 5K1 or 5K letter. And they'll write it to the judge. And that 5K letter indicates the reasons why that person shouldn't be sentenced to the maximum and should get points for their cooperation. Cohen is working towards that 5K letter. He needs that 5K letter to get time off his sentence. What motivation would he possibly have after this incredible falling out with Donald Trump to not tell the truth and lie even today on Twitter about his time in Prague? Even Joy Reid is on MSNBC. Joy Reid questioning the author of this piece. The author of the piece says, by the way, oh, I didn't see the cell phone records. I just heard about them. You heard about them? You didn't even see them? Folks, that's not it. The more goes. So now we have the denial, the denial under oath. The fact that he's working with Mueller and still denying it. Mueller would have already shut him down. Folks, we have an investigative journalist from the Washington Post, a guy by the name of Greg Miller. This guy Miller gave a speech recently at a bookstore that was filmed by C-SPAN 2. In the speech, this guy is no fan of Trump. Let's be crystal clear. This guy Miller, in the speech, indicates that there are that he, that Washington Post dedicated a tremendous number of assets to go to Prague, every hotel they could get their hands on in Prague, try to find out if Cohen had been in a hotel, if he had traveled to Prague. They shook every tree they could. Miller indicates that he spoke to his FBI and CIA contacts and came up entirely empty-handed. His FBI and CIA contacts, the Washington Post guy, this guy's no friend of Trump, the FBI and CIA contacts told him this story's probably bogus. 
Folks, this is a garbage story. Now, what do I think is really going on? This may take a minute, a minute so I may have to roll this over onto the, uh, uh, through the break and onto the other side of the break. Folks, I think this is one big CYA moment here. We know the entire spying scandal on the Trump team, what, we, what I call Spygate's the title of my book about it. Pick it up if you want. It's been a, a big bestseller, thanks to folks like you. When I go through this thing methodically, and I cite left-wing resources to do it for a reason, because they can't debunk it. Remember, the, the left-wing media told us that the Spygate story when they thought Trump-Russian collusion was real. Now they got to backtrack a bit. This is a CYA moment. I believe this story is being floated out there to thirsty people in the media, specifically these two McClatchy reporters, desperate to make this story happen when it's not going to happen. But it's being floated out there and it's going to be used as an excuse later on by our intel agencies and, and others that relied on this debunked dossier to go and swear to swear that the stuff was true and raise their right hand in court and say, look, we need a FISA warrant to spy on this guy because of X. They're going to say, hey, look, the cell phone ping thing, we had that. You heard about it in the media, right? I think this is one big C-way. Do you get where I'm going with that? That you may say, well, Dan, did it ping or not? Folks, I don't know what happened. It is most likely a case of mistaken identity. Michael Cohen is a very common name. If not a case of mistaken identity, it could be a case of a cloned phone. It could be a thousand different things. Could be a phone Michael Cohen gave up that had been sold overseas. Michael Cohen was in California when the, 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 the alleged trip to Prague happened. He has a pretty airtight alibi. It could be a million different reasons a phone pinged over there. I'm telling you that these reasons and this allegation is being floated to the media because the media needs something to fall back on to protect the reputation of the DOJ and our intelligence community as to why they engaged in an illicit spying operation on the Trump team. All right, folks, I'll take some of your calls and I'll get to more of this. because This is an important story. Once this Prague story falls apart, everything else falls with it. Give us a call, 877-381-3811. I'm Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino filling in for Mark at the Bongino on Twitter. If you want to send comments, criticisms, whatever, we take them all. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. Liberals always welcome, of course. Times a little friction on the show is a good thing. It's the spice of life, right? Bring it. But if you're going to call in, don't hang up like David did before. He blew it. He had his shot. All right, let me take a call. Let's go to Joe. In Philly. Joe in Philly. Only one Philly. Joe, how are you, buddy? What do you got for us? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, let's see, uh, I just had a problem with what you were saying to the other caller and how he was trying to say, you know, uh, basically, you know, he doesn't want to, you know, keep holding up, you know, Trump's end of the bargain when Trump ain't holding it up. And you're trying to tell him that, you know, oh, well, you know, we, we Trump has come through. I, he didn't come through on Obamacare. He ain't coming through on... Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, Joe. Joe, time out. That would John McCain sunk Obamacare, not Donald Trump, the repeal of Obamacare. You, you, you understand that, right? That was not Trump. They had a big beer barbecue, right? And then what happened the next day? 
Did they get passed? Wait, wait, Joe, Joe, hold on. Just answer the question here. There was a vote in act. This is just, I'm just giving you the facts. What you do with them is up to you. There was an actual vote happening in the Senate that involved a repeal of significant portions of Obamacare. John McCain was the deciding vote, walked up to the, 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 the bean counter on the votes and stuck his thumb down and voted no. What does that have to do with Donald Trump? What else should be cut, be cut by? That? Obamacare? What? What else? Wait, time wait, Joe, Joe, time out. I'm, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of a very simple question. You started out by saying, why do we keep defending Trump? He failed us on Obamacare. He did nothing of the sort. That's 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 made up. You're just that you're just not right. I don't know. I don't know how to tell you any other way. Can you accept the fact that you're wrong on that? Well, what about the guy who was calling you Marble Mouth about two weeks ago? And now you're saying the exact same things that you said about Cohen. What's Joe. wrong with you? Joe, wait, time out. Rewind that tape again. Can you say that without yelling? I don't know what you were really getting. Marvel Mouth, what does that even mean? He was saying Cohen was snitching. He was saying that Cohen did not sign any notice to go with. And now you're saying all the same thing. Oh, yeah, Cohen's working with Mueller. Really? You Cohen is, ago, Joe, Cohen is working with Mueller. Do you not know that? What? What? Oh, my. Okay. Joe, are you okay? Did you have a little too much to drink tonight? Joe, Cohen is working with the Mueller probe. Do you read the news? What did he sign? Did he sign saying that he's getting a deal? Tell me, yes or no. Where he's working he with the Mueller probe. They've done actually. He's met with the Mueller team. Are you unaware of this? The Mueller team has gone to court and indicated on official court records that he is, in fact, working with them. Do you, Joe, are you okay? you're lying again oh my get this guy out this guy's nuts this is one of the dumbest callers i've ever seen in my life i'm serious this guy's called before hasn't he joe i'm you're a moron i'm sorry how am i supposed to argue with this at muller's that cohen's working with the muller and just do you read the newspaper trump sunk obamacare he how did he do that it was mccain who voted no did you miss that Oh, man. I recognize that. Boy, he's called before. He really needs to dial down to whatever he's doing before he gets on the air. I don't even know. He comes on the air all excited, and then he's like, Cohen's not working with Mueller. He's not. You have this thing called the interweb? You can try the Drudge Report. Go to the hell, the New York Times. I don't care. Gosh, if you don't read the news, this is what you get with liberal callers. Trump sunk Obamacare. Just making stories up. Oh, okay, I guess. Whatevs. All right, folks. I'm Dan Bongino. Info Mark Levin. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, folks, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for Mark. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. So, you know, this Trump era has inspired a new generation of media lunacy, I think, we can say a degree above the traditional uh, levels of media lunacy we've seen in the past, which have been significant. I don't mean to play down the degree of historical media lunacy, but this new era of media lunacy is uh, 
is is really something to behold. <laughs> and I mean that in the most uncomplimentary terms possible. What do I mean? You may not have uh, missed this story this week, but I'm going to give it to you from a different angle. The story that in the media where this the media tried to have it two different ways this week. So the holiday season just passed. We had uh, Christmas, uh, which just passed, obviously, on December 25th. It amazingly occurs every year at the same time. And the media decided they were going to put out a story. I mean, not just the media, but Hollywood elitists like Alyssa Milano and, uh, you know, left-wing uh, acolytes uh, who just, uh, you know, uh, love to genuflect in front of liberal ideology. A bunch of them out there. Uh, you know, Soledad O'Brien being one of them. Uh, NBC News decided to take a shot at President Trump right before the holidays for being allegedly the first president to not visit troops in a war zone around Christmas time. Now, these these folks really aren't uh, that bright all the time. Now, you would think they would have waited till after the holiday season was over to tweet something like that. Yeah, Mr. Producer, right? Just in a, from a common sense perspective, right? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you're a media person. Your reputation, you think, matters, right? You know, facts, journalism, that kind of thing, right? You make, you right? Say, Mr. Producer's like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. I'm good with that, right? If you were going to make an allegation that President Trump is going to be the first president to not visit troops during this holiday season in a war zone, would you, and this is not a trick question, Mr. Producer, would you, A, say it before the holiday season is over, or B, wait till the holiday season ends so you can actually confirm the holiday season ended without the president visiting troops? Mr. Producer, go ahead. It's not a trick question. Yeah, you would wait. He would take option B because he's brilliant. Mr. Producer is on his A game tonight, even though he chose B, which is the right answer. You'd think you would wait till after the holiday season has actually ended to put out a story that President Trump has not visited the troops in a war zone during the darn holiday season. But they didn't do that. NBC News. I don't mean the darn holiday. I, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't say that. I, I, I'm talking about the media people. I'm, I'm angry at this story because it's so stupid. You wait till the holidays are over before you put out such a dumb story. So just be clear where we are right now. The media starts knocking the president for not visiting the troops during the holiday season. That was their first story. He's so awful. He doesn't care. This guy's a chump. He doesn't visit the troops during the holiday season. What kind of guy is this? Oh! What happens? As if by magic, President Trump shows up in Iraq. To do what? To greet our troops. Now they're like, oh my gosh, what do we do now? What do we do now? We just wrote these stories about how awful President Trump is for not visiting troops in Iraq. He's now in Iraq. What do we do? How do we handle this? So then they have to write another story to distract you from their other dumb story about how he wasn't going to visit the troops because he visited the troops. So then they turn their attention to another story that the troops he did visit, that the rally was like a campaign rally, and they showed up with MAGA hats from the side. Uh, if you're a warfighter putting yourself in the line of fire for the United States citizenry overseas in a war zone, show up with any hat you want. I don't care if the, uh, I don't care what it says. It can say the Toledo Mud Hens. 
I don't give a damn what the hat says. You're overseas putting your mm, on the line for us. You show up with, I'm a Yankees fan. Show up with a Red Sox hat. And you know what? If I'm the president, I'm signing it. Go Sox. This was the story afterwards. The story, the troops showed up with MAGA hats. This was like a campaign. Are these troops guilty of a hatch act violation? Oh my gosh. Really? This was a real story discussed on CNN. I'm not kidding. Can you imagine what kind of a tier one level 672 imbecile you have to be to be sitting in a production studio at CNN having a guest on discussing if troops should be prosecuted using the Hatch Act because they brought a MAGA hat to a rally for the commander in chief who showed up in a war zone during the holidays to greet our patriotic men and women serving overseas. Can you imagine the level of stupid you have to own to actually have this conversation on the air and have it without cracking a smile like, gosh, this is really dumb. This was a real conversation on the Clinton News Network. What an embarrassment. An embarrassment. Now, let's digest these two stories. First, I have a relatively unique perspective on this. And I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want I'm, 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 to... I don't like personal stories because, you know, the show is about issues. And, you know, if you want to hear about my personal life one day, maybe I'll write an autobiography or whatever. And you can feel free to read it or not. But this one's relevant, folks. I, I don't usually bring up personal stories unless I'm trying to be, you know, funny or sarcastic or lighten up the load on a heavy show sometime. But I conducted an overseas advance as a lead advance agent in a war zone in Afghanistan for Barack Obama when I was a lead advance agent on his presidential protection division detail. It was December of 2010. It was during my birthday. I remember it like it was yesterday. My birthday is December 4th. I was over there right around that time. So I know how these trips work. When the president of the United States visits a war zone and it happens a very specific way. I bring this up because the media, after President Trump landed on the ground in Iraq, the media's news story after they criticized him for allegedly not visiting the troops, which he did, was that, oh, well, he's just visiting the troops because we shamed him into doing it in the days before the holidays. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Ladies and gentlemen, I was there. I, I have very specific subject matter expertise on this. When Barack Obama, I can talk about it now because the trip already happened. None of this is classified. I don't want you to think I'm speaking out of turn. I had just returned from a foreign trip where I was a lead advance on another trip. I don't remember which one it was, if it was Indonesia or Prague. I've, I don't. It all blends in. But this I remember. And I got a call at my house from a, the PPD Operations 14. 14 is a supervisor, an assistant to the special agent in charge. And his name was Marlon. And he said, hey, uh, buddy, you got to come in and return the satellite phone from overseas. And I thought, why do I got to come in now? Like, I had just gotten back. I think it was Prague. I had done that. I was tired, folks. You know, you, you, also, you travel a lot overseas. You're, you're jet lagged badly. It's not like the jet lag between California and New York. I mean, you know, it's, you know, you're talking like seven, eight, nine hours. In Indonesia, it was what? The, the, 
time difference was, I think, 11 or 12 hours. It's brutal. It takes you days to recover. I was tired. I'm like, why do I have to come in? I, I was working in like two or three years. I'm like, I'll just come in, stop by operations, which is in the, uh, was at the time was in the old executive office building. I don't know where it is now. PPD operations. And I'll drop it off in a couple of days. He said, no, no, you got to come in today. So I get in a suit because anytime you go in the White House, you got to get in a suit, which I hate because I, can, I can't put a tie on. Even then I had problems because of my elbows. Nothing works anymore. And I go in, I get back the satellite phone, and he's like, hey, um, you got to go talk to the boss. And I'm like, damn, what's going on? Did I do something in Prague? Did I screw something up? We gotten good reviews on the trip. I was surprised. He said, you got to go talk to the, the special agent in charge. Or I think he was the DSAC at the deputy special. It doesn't matter. He was the boss. So I go in the office. I'm thinking I'm in a world of trouble. He says, hey, listen, you got to sign this non-disclosure agreement here. I said, why? And now I'm thinking I really screwed up. He says, I can't talk to you about any of what I'm about to talk to you about until you sign this NDA. So I sign it. It's very specific. You won't open your trap about anything. He said, listen, Barack Obama's going to Afghanistan. What was he? He was renegade. That was his, uh, he's like, renegade's going to Afghanistan. I'm like, all right, great. That sounds like a great trip. Have fun with that. He said, <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm just messing around. The boss is like, you're the guy to do it. I'm thinking to myself, I just got back. What do you mean? I'm the, I just got back. Like, I haven't even had a full meal yet. They said, no, you did a couple leads overseas. You know, they, you know your stuff. You're the guy to do it. I was, you know, you never say no. I was pretty honored, actually. I'm like, all right, when's it happening? I'm like, the guy got to leave tomorrow from Andrews. Folks, this was a couple of weeks, two weeks before Obama landed in Afghanistan. Why am I telling you any of this? Because the boss had known about this probably two weeks to a month before I did and had signed an NDA himself, which says what? That Trump and his team had planned this trip to Iraq probably months ago while the same media people were sitting there nailing him on Twitter. Oh, man, he just went because I tweeted at him yesterday. Don't flatter yourself, media losers. He did not go to Iraq because you embarrassed him on Twitter. You didn't do anything of the sort. He planned this trip months ago. You losers had nothing to do with it. I know you like to flatter yourself into believing this, but these trips are planned months in advance. The boss said to me, he said, you got to go. I went the next day. I forget when he showed up. I know I landed. I, was, I remember being there for my birthday. And I was scheduled to get off of the president's detail and go to the Baltimore field office. I had been there four and a half years. And I remember they had to call the Baltimore field office and say, nah, Bongino's not going to show up on the day we said he was. They were like, why? They're like, don't ask any questions. I was in Afghanistan. We couldn't tell anyone. But they knew. They knew. The White House knew. Which makes it more, inf- more infuriating to have to listen to these media idiots, idiots all the time and this basic, basically this nonsense criticism spoken from a place of ignorance. This trip was planned months ago. Trump knows it. His staff knows it. His advanced team knows it. And the media gives himself way too much credit. All right. On the other side of the break, I just want to nail this hatch act thing again because it's so stupid that the troops with the hats and how they were, they were going to be guilty of a hatch act. But it's so dumb. The troops, bring whatever hats you want. You serve overseas. You've earned the right to have your... The hat autographed by the president. I mean, give us a only That's the story that only would appear on CNN. All right, I'm Dan Bongino. Went for Mark Levin. You want to give us a call? 877-381-3811. We'll be right back. Mark Levin.
Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for Mark. You want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. Sorry, I, I know I sound a little different. I was just um, I was just during the break there. I don't know, Mr. Producer, you may have heard it coming over the microphone. I was on Twitter, and I again, I, I, I brought this up before. I didn't expect to talk about it again, but I was watching the the video of, of Corporal Ronel Singh's brother, Reggie Singh, just, um, oh my gosh, it's just devastating to listen to. Corporal Singh was the American hero, this patriot, this police officer out in California who engaged in a traffic stop with an illegal immigrant and was killed. And it's just watching the brother, I, I, I just do everything in his power to hold it together and talk through his tears. He lost his older brother while simultaneously making sure to make a point to thank everyone in the room and the law enforcement agencies. And he goes through these list of Homeland security and he's talking through this just flow of tears. I, 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 I've never thankfully, thank God have not lost a brother. I have no idea the pain, the unimaginable pain this guy's feeling. But talking through it and making a point to thank everyone else there. I mean, what, an, what a testament to this family. It's just whatever's in their gene code, you did well. But it just, you know, I, I get it. It's times like this, I, I don't want to pile on and engage in really senseless politics at this point. But folks, can we just state the obvious? That the guy who's alleged to have killed him, Corporal Singh, should not have been here. Is this not obvious? Like, how do you watch that and not get that? I've heard all your arguments that oh, a lot of illegal immigrants will come to the country and, and, and not go on to commit any other crimes. They did commit a crime. They came here illegally. That's a crime. Fine, fine, whatever point stipulated. But that doesn't matter because 100% of people who came here illegally should not have been here. This heroic American patriot whose brother's fighting through the tears to thank everybody there should not have lost his brother. The 100% of people in the country illegally should not be here at all. This American hero should be alive today. Did you see the picture of his wife and kids? How do you look at that? How are you not deeply impacted by that? Listen, I'm not here to pile on the Democrats. About, I'm not. Not. I don't want to do what they do, what these deranged lunatics do to us every time there's a shooting. Oh, you own a gun? You guys are homicidal. Man. Let, let those idiots engage in that moral depravity. I'm not going to do that but i am going to state the obvious this man should not have been in the country that is a fact it is a simple statement of fact this heroic the brother should not have had to give that press conference how do you watch that how do you not melt down watching that how do you not see that and are you do not question everything 100% of people who cross that border illegally in violation of our rules and go on to commit crimes later should not have been here at all. Gosh, I see that picture. Think about it. Every single Christmas, 
for the rest of Corporal Singh's son, daughter, family, wife, his parents, for the rest of their lives. Their reminder at Christmas is going to be about the loss of him by someone who should not have been in the country at all. Folks, we got to get past the cheap nonsense and start having a real-life conversation about this problem. Rational, straight-thinking people should be able to have clear eyes on this. He should not have been in the country at all. Corporal Singh didn't deserve this. This didn't have to happen. You watch that video. I don't know how it doesn't shake your soul. All right, I'm Dan Bongino. In for Mark Levin. I'll be back in the other side of the If you want to talk to Mark, we have two numbers for you to call. For regular Americans, call 877-381-3811. For liberals, call 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. You know you know that, Mr. Producer, you did that for me, right? You know I love that one. That's my, that's my favorite intro. It took me a while to figure that out. In a moment of self-deprecating humor... I'm not kidding. I've, I've been, I'm, I don't just talk to Mark, obviously, now. I, we're friends, but thankfully so. He's such a great guy. I love Mark. But I was a fan of the show long before I even met him. And I, it took me a while to figure out that there isn't actually a separate line for liberals. 877-381-3811 and 3811 are, in fact, the same number. So I laugh at myself because after, like, the second or third listen, I got the joke. Uh, yeah, wasn't exactly the brightest bulb in the uh, They always play that for me. In my honor. Thank you, Mr. Producer. All right. Getting back to on a serious note, talking about this immigration crisis. Folks, there are such nonsensical arguments being levied at us by the left um, that they're, they're worth addressing and worth debunking because they're so dumb. Uh, I listened to David Cicilline, a Democrat congressman uh, who's very skilled at, at his talking points. And he goes on Fox a lot. So I'll give him some credit for at least going on a, an opposition station. But he's very skilled at getting the talking points out and making you believe what's not true is, in fact, true. He's a good gaslighter. So he was on today. And he kept insisting what uh, the interview was, I think, with Julie Banderas on Fox. He was on there. He kept insisting walls don't work, saying that without evidence, by the way. He kept citing anecdotal examples of people who allegedly said walls don't work, um, but never cites any actual data, like the fact that where walls have actually been built along the border, whether it's San Ysidro, El Paso or other places, that illegal immigration, the flow of drugs and crime across the border has decreased significantly. So leave that aside that Democrats usually avoid facts and data because they're allergic to them. He keeps bringing up this point, which is so ridiculous that I want to just kind of throw this at you because it's a softball that liberals will give to you every time that you should immediately hit out of the park. And it's this. They'll say, well... If you build a 20-foot wall, people will show up with a 21-foot ladder. Really? They'll do that. So what you're telling me is as you traverse on a potentially 1,000-mile journey through Central and uh, potentially even South America, depending on where you're coming from, to the United States, that you're going to stop for a 21-foot ladder somewhere? Where are you going to get that? Where exactly are you going to pick that up? 
Oh, they'll just leave them in the desert. They'll leave that ladders in the desert, like all over the place. It's going to be like a, like a, like one of those bike rental places. You just rent the ladder. You may say, oh, don't be a wise guy. It's not hard to get a ladder. No, it's not hard to get a ladder, except for the fact that you'd have to carry a ladder across portions of the border, which creates what? Creates an obstacle to making crossing the border easy. That's what a wall is. That's what a barrier does. Doesn't stop you from climbing over with a ladder. It makes you get a ladder in the first place. A wall is an obstacle, a barrier to illegal immigration. Legal immigrants do not get ladders and climb over the wall. It is meant to mitigate, not completely stop, the effects of illegal immigration. They didn't invent the burglary alarm to stop burglaries altogether. Burglaries will never stop. The burglary alarm was invented to make it more difficult for burglars to break in your house. Oh, don't get a burglary alarm. They'll just cut the wires. Well, then they got to cut the wires first. They got to find the wires. They got to cut the wires, which they could potentially be exposed doing. Then what happened? Someone else invented a wireless system. But they can hack into the wireless system. Okay, then it's another obstacle. Now they got to hack into it first. It's not stopping. There's not going to be zero burglaries because they invented the burglary alarm. It's going to mitigate the effects of burglaries across the by, by hopefully creating enough obstacles that some burglaries won't happen. With illegal immigration, the construction of walls, I got to stop every single person who wants to enter the country illegally from coming in. Of course, you could buy a ladder and walk across, uh, you know, hundreds of miles to a border wall section with a ladder and, and climb over the wall. But it creates a significant obstacle, does it not? That's the whole idea to mitigate, stop, slow down the effects of illegal immigration. What's fascinating is then they say, I heard Cicilline say the same thing. He says, we don't need a wall. It's ineffective. We're going to rely on technology like drones. So are you saying with a straight face, just to be clear, this is what I would have said to him. Are you suggesting with a, with a straight face, not, not, this isn't a comedy act. You're suggesting that a drone, 100, 150 feet in the air, is a more effective deterrent to someone crossing the border than a 21-foot wall or a 20-foot wall with, with slats in it or a fence, whatever you want to call it. Are you saying that with a straight face? What does this drone do exactly? Beam down like a laser wall or something, like something out of a sci-fi movie? Oh, but we can report back. To what? Border patrol agents who could be 50, 60 miles away. It's not a border patrol agent for every square foot of the border. It's incredible how they say walls don't work. And then they cite a technology which may or may not work, but certainly won't be effective as the old tried and true technique of putting up a barrier, a physical obstruction. Oh, it's a ground ball. Please don't get suckered by that one. All right, let me take a call. Speaking of the immigration topic, let's go to turn uh, Tony. Excuse me. <laughs> I was going to say Tony and Berkeley at the same time. So it was Tony Berkeley, but Tony in Berkeley, California. Go ahead. What do you got for us? That's where I am, Dan. The man. Well, here's what I've got. How many more are we going to lose to 
is situations like this. Remember, it isn't just this police officer. We had the young lady on Pier, what is it, 39 in San Francisco. They named a law after her. We had the elderly man in, outside of Minneapolis, St. Paul, Earl Orlander. Uh, he was killed by two Mexican illegals. We had that ish incident in central Missouri. I mean, this isn't. You know, this is ongoing. And, and Tony, it's, it's not just that. It's not. I mean, listen, the, the the murders and the homicides are obviously the the most tragic because you've taken someone's life. But remember, it's not just that. It's the trafficking of fentanyl, of drugs, of when I was a Secret Service agent, counterfeit money crossing the border, uh, contraband, narcotics, uh, yes. child sex trafficking. This stuff happens. So, the empowering so of cartels. I mean, this is serious stuff. Dan, the man, this is my $64,000 question for you. How can we turn the tables on the left here? In other words, let's get the, the I guess, media rolling in our favor with statistics, with numbers. Remember back in 07, 08, I think it was, they all voted for increased beefed-up border security. All of them, Hillary Clinton, John Kerry, uh, Pelosi, and it was well more than $5 billion. It was, that wasn't for a wall, but it was for increased border security and they all voted on it so i don't understand this is a no-brainer after this police officer here i'm yeah and then we have the mayor of oakland you know not far from berkeley i mean remember back in the spring to recap 2018 she's telling the illegals ice is on their way I no mean, i remember yeah you're right that's a true story i remember that you know tony um i gotta be candid with you my friend i appreciate the kind comments and and, and the words there but i i have to be honest with you i don't have a good answer for you you said what can we do I don't, and I'll tell you why. Having run for office myself um, a couple of times, uh, three times I ran, I ran for the Senate and U.S. Congress, and, and dealing with politicians, I met some good people. I don't want to be overly uh, negative, but very few. I mean, I could probably count on one hand how many people I met in politics who I thought were genuinely committed, principled, good people. I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you. I, I only know this, that the fight has to continue because we are on the right side of the arc of history on this. Controlling our borders is what defines a country for what it is. A country without definable, enforceable borders is not a country at all. It's a landmass. It's a suggestion. It's not a country. We have to keep the heat on and we have to show up. You know, Tony... The only thing I could tell you is I always throw this out there is the 10, 10 and 10 rule before every election. You need to Facebook, email and call 10 people and get them to show up to the polls for issues we believe in, because a lot of American firearm owners, people who, who believe in enforceable borders, people who believe in, in economic freedom and liberty, uh, sadly, just don't show up at the polls. I mean, it's the only way, but I, I don't have a really good answer, Tony. I wish I did. There's just so many people who sold us out up in D.C., I, I don't have a cute answer for you. I wish I did. Quick, it's a no-brainer, but how about this? I don't know if it made the national news because I'm in Berkeley here, but did you know that the sanctuary city laws actually protected this, this, this villain? I mean, we the feds, we didn't even know, you know, how to get to him. That you know, he's yeah. multiple. He had multiple felony convictions. And I did, and the even, sheriff. I don't know if you saw it, Tony, but the sheriff or the or the police chief. Forgive me if I'm getting his title wrong. Just laced into this sanctuary city law up. This is a law enforcement professional who has everything on the line. Who who echo and thanks for the call, Tony. I really appreciate it. it's a great call. Uh, but echoed your sentiments exactly, suggesting that his inability to contact ICE uh, regarding ICE detainers and the fact that this guy was in the country um, Ill uh, illegally, you know, could have prevented this altogether if they would have been allowed to hold him in, in detention and, and deport him. 
I mean, this is a common sense argument right here. All right, let me take one more call. Let's go to uh, Cyrus in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Cyrus, what do you got for us, buddy? You hear me? I hear you. Lima Charlie, loud and clear, buddy. Yeah, hi. Um, you know, I just want to keep pointing out that we just don't have a problem with illegal immigration. We need to reform legal immigration because here in Las Vegas, these legal immigrants are not providing a lot of skills or value. They're taking a large pool of our low-skilled jobs, mainly in hospitality. They're voting overwhelmingly for the corrupt politicians with their unions. And when can we have a merit-based immigration system that's the right amount of people know English and have good skills? Well, Cyrus, it's a good question. and Thanks. I appreciate the call, Cyrus. But most countries on Earth do have, in fact, merit-based, labor-sensitive, uh, a merit-based immigration. We've relied more on chain migration, the linking of families that come into the country, and seriously, we've relied on, sadly, illegal immigration, open borders type policies where we provide amnesty every few years years to people who just ignore the system altogether. It's a fair question a lot of people have asked. Um, you know, again, it requires sensible politicians to talk outside of their focus group tested words and speak candidly to the American people, which they just refuse to do. So, Cyrus, I appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. But, folks, this is a sensitive issue to me as well because my wife is a legal immigrant to this country who has provided tremendous value, cares a lot about this country, cares about her family, her God, her faith, her country, and everything. So there is obviously value to be added by bringing the world's smartest, brightest, and best into the United States. But I agree that at some point we have to take a United States first policy where we should be considering our legal immigration policies on how it benefits the United States and the citizens are citizens who are here already and who are the taxpayers. We cannot take in the whole world. It's not possible. So why we don't have a common sense, labor sensitive, merit based model of immigration? Again, because we have really horrendous, horrible politicians in D.C. who care more about power than anything else. That's the only answer to that. All right, folks, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. I'm laughing. Mr. Producer knows me well. Whenever I fill in for Mark after the show, it's usually on a Friday. It's based on my schedule. I'll, I'll bounce out, and I always eat a chicken parm. So he's like, hey, is it chicken parm time after the show? You're darn right it's chicken parm time. Kid is starving. Instead of Bob Dole referring to myself as the kid in the third person. But that's okay. I'll be on Laura Ingram later, too, if you want to check it out. This has been a long day. Mr. Producer, I did my show. Did Mark's show, did my last NRA TV show, and then I'll do Ingram, and I got to wake up tomorrow morning for Fox and Friends at 7.30, and then I got to drive over to Naples for an event with uh, Sean Hannity, a charity event, and then maybe I'll get half a Sunday off before I get back to work on Monday, but I love my job, and it, it candidly speaking, and I mean this, compared to you truckers out there, carpenters, sheetrock layers, electricians, architects, pilots, you all work really darn hard. My job is super easy compared to what you do. Thanks for building up this country and doing the right thing. So my job is easy. So no whining. This is a no whining zone. I'm not a liberal snowflake. Uh, folks, I listen, I appreciate everything tonight, all the calls, all the commentary, all the tweets. It means a lot. If you'd like to pick up my new book, uh, it's not so new, it's been out a couple months, but my book, Spygate, on this whole spying debacle on the Trump team, please do so. I always appreciate the opportunity to put it out there. Uh, we were a bestseller for a really, really long time, thanks to you, and I use a lot of 
left-leaning outlets as resources in the book. So when you could debate them about the Mueller scheme and the scheme to spy on Trump, you can easily cite the footnotes. So go check that out. I really appreciate it. Let's just recap the show we talked about. In the beginning, I talked about, listen, this is, a, this is battlefield morality right now with Trump. People knocking Trump, saying he's got bad character, don't know Trump. They don't understand that finally we got someone in there willing to take the fight to the libs where the libs have always taken the fight to us. It's not that morality doesn't matter. It's that we're in a different sense of morality. It's danger zone morality now, where the liberals have put a different fight on us and we need a fighter back. People see that fighter in Trump and it's important. They misinterpret that loyalty. If you missed the beginning of the show, go back and listen. I think you'll enjoy it. Secondly, we talked about this Cohen story. Don't sweat it. This Michael Cohen Prague story is nonsense. It is, it's garbage. I don't, wouldn't put anything into it. There is no evidence he was in Prague. There are no hotel records, travel records, passport records, no testimonial evidence. He's repeatedly denied it under oath. Mueller has produced no evidence it happened. He is working with Mueller. The Washington Post reporter looked into it, who wrote a book on this, thinks it didn't happen. Even Michael Lisikoff starting to question another guy writes for Yahoo News starting to question components of this dossier. Don't worry about this. Michael Cohen went to Prague to coordinate this payment for the collusion hacking stuff. It's a nonsense story. I think the left is going to bite on it again because that's what they do. But I would generally throw it out and and just I, I think it's a CYA. I think it's a bunch of intel people who are feeding information over here on our soil to intel people in the United States to circumvent laws against spying on American citizens who are now trying to cover their butts because the Michael Cohen cell phone ping story is probably a case of mistaken identity. And they can say, oh, see, look what happened. My bad. I think that's what's going on. Finally, on the Trump visit to Iraq story, folks, this, this, was, this was planned months ago. I know this. I did this kind of stuff before. So the media story that Trump took this trip to Iraq because they shamed him into doing it is is malarkey. It's garbage. It's it's a steaming pile of horse manure. They made it up. This trip was planned months ago. The guy's new to the presidency. He's figuring out the presidency as he goes along. He knew he had to visit the troops. They planned this months ago, and that's why he went. And nothing to do with media criticism. That's nonsense. And finally, on the immigration front, The president's doing the right thing. We need that wall because walls work. Walls matter. They create barriers and obstructions. It's not going to completely solve any problem, but it is going to slow down the effects of illegal immigration. And how do we know that? Because the evidence is there where we actually have walls. Illegal immigration, flows of drugs across the border, criminality across the border have decreased dramatically. We already have the evidence. All right, thanks again for tuning in, folks. I'm Dan Bongino. And for Mark, if you want to learn a lot, any more about me, you don't have to know a lot, but more about me, go to Bongino.com. Or you can follow us at Twitter, at DBongino. I'm sure I'll see you all again soon. Take it easy.